The second reading is Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and may all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now, this I know, the Lord gives victory to his the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. Here ends the reading. If you've got your Bibles there, uh, it would be helpful to keep it open at Psalm 20. I'll be referring to that a fair bit on the way through. And it's always good to be following along in our Bibles. And there will be a chance to ask any questions that you might have that come up on the way through um, after we sing, after the sermon. So if you do have any questions that come up, then please keep them in mind and um, we'll have a question time a bit later on. But let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you will help us to be people who trust in you above all other things and that our time spent in your word together this morning will encourage us into that trust all the more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's verse 7 of this psalm, and, and it's really a, quite a great bumper sticker slogan, isn't it? it? It's the kind of thing you can imagine someone uh, you know, putting on a, on a headstone or on a, a, a plaque, maybe having embroidered. I've been to some people's houses that um, they get a, a, a verse from the psalms and, uh, and stick it on their kitchen wall. And this is really one of those uh, really uh, significant verses that stand out, that work well as a slogan. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's a bold, it's a statement of bold trust in God and not in other things. And so as we come to this psalm today, the question that we are going to be asking this morning is, what will it look like for us to have that kind of bold trust in God this year? Is the year ahead going to be marked by that kind of trust in God for each one of us. Because January is often a, a good time to stop and think, isn't it, about what the year ahead might look like or what we might want it to look like. You might have certain hopes and plans for the year ahead, for your work situation, for your various relationships with family or friends, maybe for study, maybe your living arrangements or house plans. But there is one thing that is very much worth asking in the midst of all of those plans in the year ahead, and this Psalm prompts us to ask, is 
Where will my trust be this year? What will my trust and confidence be in the year ahead? Because everyone trusts something. There are plenty of things that could be my source of confidence and security or negatively could become a source of anxiety and and insecurity and fear. Is 2022 going to be a year that is marked by that kind of trust in God, that kind of confidence in God? And if it is, what will that even look like? That's the question that we're looking at today as we as we come to this psalm together. And the first thing that we're going to discover this psalm teaches us is that trusting God focuses on God's anointed king. We do have it there, great. Trusting God focuses on God's anointed king. So most of this psalm, you might have noticed, is about trusting God, looking to God in, in distress, in for protection, for help, for blessing, for victory. So have a look at it with me as I, as I shoot through some of these verses. Verse 1. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. Verse 2, may he send you help from his sanctuary. Verse 4, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Verse 5, may the Lord grant all your requests. See, this psalm is about looking to God and trusting in God for all of those things, for help in distress and, and so on. But here's the very important thing to notice as we recognise that. The important thing to notice is that that's not actually talking about you as we read that. The you in this psalm is not you, nor is it me. Often as we read the Bible and I guess particularly as we read the psalms, we instinctively read ourselves into the psalms as if it's all about me. So the, the, the you is, is me and the me is me. And if we read the psalm like, this psalm like that, then we might just come to the conclusion that trusting God and having confidence in God is about asking God for what we need, for what I need, for all of those things, for in distress, when I need help, when I want something. And of course that's true. That is true, but it's only part of the story. And if that's all we mean when we say we trust in God, then we're going to end up having a a, a somewhat deformed and self-focused view of trusting God, which is not what God wants for us. And as I said, the key to understanding this psalm is to recognise who the you is in this psalm, that it's not you, it's not me, it's the king, it's God's anointed king. That's what this psalm is. It's a prayer for God's anointed king. And you start to see it in the difference between the you and the we in verse 5. So look at verse 5. May we shout for joy over your victory. And then verse 6. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed, that is the king. And again verse 9. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. See, this psalm is about trusting God for the victory and the help and the blessing that God provides for his king and to his people through his king. That's who the psalm is about. And so all those things that I read from verses 1 to 5 in distress for help and and for blessing and so on are a prayer for the king. And in particular, it's a prayer as the king leads his people into battle. 
So picture with me the situation that this psalm paints for us. So Israel have been invaded. The armies of the enemy are swarming through the land. But before marshalling the troops and saddling the horses and marching into battle, the king goes to the temple to pray. And the people pray for the king as he leads them into battle. And so they say, may God answer you, king, when you are in distress. May he, may he send you help from the sanctuary. May we shout for joy when you are victorious. See, the focus of, God's, of the prayer of God's people is not for themselves, but for the king. Because the fortunes of God's people are tied up in the fortunes of God's king. That was true for Israel, and it's even more true for us. Trusting God must focus on the victory that God provides through his anointed king, Jesus. And so when we pray, we pray with a focus on the concerns of Jesus and on his kingdom. And I think that this really challenges our natural instinct where even our trust in God, even our trust in God can tend to be self-focused, focusing on me. I mean, think about the kind of prayers that we often pray or perhaps ask others to pray for us. In a few weeks, our Bible study groups will be starting again, and in Bible study, we share prayer points. We often ask people to pray various things. And have a think about the most common things that we ask people to pray. For my health, yeah? For the health of my friends and family, for my concerns, things that I'm worried about, things to do with my current situation, my fears. God is my help when I need help with those things. And of course, that's good. We should pray for those things. Of course, trusting God includes all of those things. It is not less than that, but it is more. Because trusting God must focus on the king and on his victory. And when we do that, verse 5 tells us that we find joy in the victories of the king. Verse 5, we will shout for joy when you are victorious. So I wonder as you look back over the past year, what is it that has brought you joy? As I think of the things, you know, there's been various things that have brought me joy, both big and small. But the question that we should ask for the year ahead is, will you find joy in the things of God's kingdom? in the things that Jesus values, where Jesus is seen to be victorious and to shine, because trusting God means we will find joy in the victories of his king. We will shout for joy when you are victorious. Do you want to find joy in the victories of King Jesus? Then invest in those things into the year ahead. Let the things that Jesus values be the things that you put your time and your energy and your effort and focus your desires into. So, for example, Jesus values godliness. Jesus values hearts and lives that are transformed to be more like him for yourself and for other people. Will you pray that? Will you seek joy in that? Will you invest yourself in, in godliness for yourself and others? What a great thing to hope and pray for the year ahead. Or another example, seeing a friend come to know Jesus, seeing 
God victorious in that sense in that person's life? Will you invest in that in the year ahead? That really would be something to rejoice in, wouldn't it? Or seeing Jesus glorified when a Christian friend, brother or sister, stands firm in the face of opposition or persecution or for public Christians standing firm when people oppose them. That is where we see Jesus victorious or building up others in their faith. The list could go on. These are the victories of King Jesus. When we love and invest in the things that Jesus wants for us, we can say with the people in verse 5, we will rejoice when you are victorious. What a great thing to find joy in. Is that what 2022 will look like for you? Investing in the things of God's kingdom, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, rejoicing in the victories of Jesus. That's the first thing that this psalm teaches us. Trusting God focuses on the king, on Jesus. The second thing is that trusting God means confidence in the victory of God's king. It means confidence in the victory of God's king. And so verse 6 in this psalm is really a turning point in the psalm. So the first five verses are a prayer for the king, and verse 6 is a declaration of confidence that God will answer this prayer. Let me read verse 6. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. That's the confidence of this psalm. God gives victory to his anointed king. Where does that confidence come from? Because in in this psalm, nothing has happened between verse 5 and verse 6. The battle hasn't happened yet. So where does the confidence come from? Well, it comes from the promise of God. God has promised that he will give victory to his anointed. And so this prayer is based on a promise, which incidentally is the best kind of prayers to pray. Pray the things that God has promised. And God has promised, God's promise to his anointed king comes up many times in the Psalms, but particularly in Psalm 2. Back in Psalm 2, God promises that nothing can stand against his anointed king, that even though all the nations are opposed to him and try to depose him, Nothing and no one can stand against his king. He will be victorious because God is with him. That's the promise that drives the confidence in this psalm. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. And so trusting God with a focus on the king means we can be confident because the victory of God's king is assured. And again, this was true for Israel, and it's even more true for us. Because God hasn't just promised to save his king, he has already done it. When he raised Jesus to life, that was the victory that God had promised. In Psalm 16, God promised he will not let his Holy One, the King, see decay. He will not abandon him to the grave. We're going to look at that Psalm next week, in fact, Psalm 16. That's the promise that God made about his king and that's what he fulfilled through Jesus when he raised Jesus to life. That is the victory that God has already won through his anointed king, Jesus. And so we follow Jesus with the confidence that he has already won the victory in the only battle that matters, 
the battle for each one of us against sin and death that we had no hope of winning on our own, but that Jesus has won for us by his death and resurrection. That was the victory and it is done and so we can be confident. That's the confidence we can have as we follow Jesus. The confidence of a victory that is already won, a done deal. And so let me ask, is your trust in God marked by that kind of confidence? And so as you think about it, as you struggle perhaps through the Christian life, And as you see other people struggling alongside you, as you pray for godliness and finding that difficult, as you face temptations, as you face persecution, as you see people around you perhaps not turning to Jesus, and in fact you see opposition against Jesus growing around you, do you face those battles, those struggles, knowing that you are fighting battles in the war that has already been won? that Jesus is the victorious and risen king and that nothing can pluck you out of his hand, that no temptation is too great, that no opposition is too strong, that even when you stumble, and you will, that even when you stumble, you can pick yourself right back up because your forgiveness has already been won in the victory of Jesus. And so there is no giving up. There is no pulling back. There is no running and hiding. There is no need to. Whatever is behind there can always be confidence to take each next step because the victory of Jesus has already been won for you. Is that confidence going to mark your trust in God in the year ahead? Trusting God means confidence in the victory of God's King. And thirdly and finally, trusting God when other things seem more important or more secure. Now, verse 7, as I said at the beginning, is probably the most catchy and memorable verse of this psalm, and it's where we started. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. This is, I reckon, the kind of, the kind of verse you can imagine being on a plaque somewhere, that bold statement of trust no matter what else is going on. It, it's a sentiment, I think, that we want to own, but it is actually quite a big call to make. Humanly speaking, horses and chariots were the best kind of strength and security that you could possibly hope for. So picture again with me the the situation of Israel as they're heading out to battle with their king. Chariots and horses were the ultimate military machines. When you're heading out to war, you're not weighing up the, the odds and judging the enemy by how good their haircuts are right, or by how nice their uniforms are, you're judging them by their military power, by their horses and their chariots and how many of them they have. In war, that's what matters. Whose side has the greatest military power? Whether it's horses and chariots or our modern equivalent. Every time a new technology for war is invented, that becomes the deciding factor in war. You know, guns beat arrows... Tanks beat guns, missiles beat tanks, and so on. That's about as far as my military expertise goes. You can ask someone from the RAF if you want to know more later on. That's why the world gets so nervous when rogue states get access to military power, right? Because military power... Sorry, to nuclear power, because those kinds of things make a big difference. Or 
when nuclear nations start behaving badly because we know those things make a difference. There is real and concrete value in military power. Again, whether it's horses and chariots or nuclear missiles. Now, we're kind of shielded from the nervousness of war that many generations before us have had. But if the distant threats of war kind of became a real and present danger, then we will become very acutely aware of who has the most military power. That's what we would be focused on. So imagine God's people as they are marching out to war and they see the chariots and the horses of the opposing army filling the horizon ahead of them. That's where horses and chariots matter a lot. And it's right in that moment where they say, some trust in horses and chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Our trust is in not in those things. Our trust is in God. That's a bold trust in the face of a significant alternative. And of course, for us, God's kingdom is not about military might, but the parallel for us, I think, is where we place our confidence. What might we substitute into that verse in place of horses and chariots for our trust in God? What are the things that we trust in, the, the, the practical, the significant, the important things that make us feel secure in life or perhaps make us insecure when they're not going well? What will that be for you as you look ahead into 2022? We often talk about financial security and job security. Those are significant things. Can we say, well, some trust in those things, some trust in financial security or job security, but I trust in the Lord. Or is it health? Can we say some trust in their health, but I trust in the Lord? You know, people say, as long as you've got your health. Or these days, are we really saying, when COVID gets more under control, then I will start to trust God more with my health? Or some trust in their family and friends. Yeah, as long as things are going with the, with the few people I have around me, as long as things are going well with them, then life is okay. Can we say, I trust in the Lord, whatever is happening in that situation of my life? Like chariots and horses, these things can make a big difference to how my life is going. And we can so easily find security in them. I know that's true for me. You know, my highs and lows of life can be tied to those things. They can be a source of, of joy or a source of anxiety and fear if they're not going well. It's no small thing to say, I don't trust in those things. I trust in God. But if we can say it, it makes such a difference, a wonderful difference. You know, I often see people struggling through various difficulties in life, whether it's sickness or job loss, or family breakdowns, or blow-ups with friends. They're really hard things. And I don't want to diminish the significance of those things by any means. But when I see people facing those things with their trust in God and not in those things, what I notice is their confidence in God's love for them doesn't go up and down depending on how those things are going. 
and their joy doesn't go up and down depending on how those things are going. If I could just give one kind of personal example that I've noticed in this, uh, the, our link missionaries, Ron and Michelle Jennings in the Philippines, I haven't met them yet, but as I read their newsletters, the prayer letters that they email back to us, what I read in that is a, this kind of trust in God. You know, their life, particularly during COVID, has been really hard. They got COVID, they, they've had difficulty with access to all kinds of things, power, medications, their uncertainty and inability to get home to Australia, they're still not back here. All kinds of things have been going not well for them. But as I read their letters, it doesn't seem like the difficult circumstances that they are in is what's controlling their joy and their confidence. Despite all that's going on for them, what I hear in what they write is this quiet, confident, patient trust in God and a joy that comes from knowing that they are living for the victorious King, Jesus. They're a great example, I think, in that for us to follow. Trusting God means that we can be confident in God and faithful to God and even joyful even when other things are not going well, because my trust is not in those things. They're not the measure of my life. Jesus is, and he has already secured my life in Jesus. That's what trusting God should look like. It means focusing on Jesus and his kingdom and the victory that he has already won and the confidence that comes from that, and then everything else flows out of that. So will you join me in praying that each one of us will have this kind of confidence and this kind of trust into the year ahead? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know the things that are around us and in our lives that uh, we tend to hold on to and look to for confidence and trust and perhaps that unsettle us and give us fear and insecurity when they're not going well. Father, we ask that whatever those things are, you will help us to have our confidence and our trust firmly, firmly placed in you and particularly in the victory that you have won for us in Jesus. We ask, Father, that will be the focus of our year ahead and that it will enable us to shout for joy as we see the, the consequences of Jesus' victory bearing fruit in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.